0: Welcome to another episode of Cracking Cryptids and Curios. This is Matt, once again, joined by Angel. Now, Angel, before we delve deep into this episode, we were talking briefly about something earlier today, and it really piqued my interest. I have never heard of this before, but apparently it is becoming quite popular. You told me it is a new TikTok trend called, Will You Be My Neighbor? Now, you're always going on about how you love TikTok, so I wanted to find out if this is something that you have done in your own time. The general idea is that you drive to a local gathering point, such as a library, gas station, supermarket, pretty much anything that actually has a parking lot. When you... you <laughs> <laughs> I thought you growled. <laughs> you then choose one car and wait for the owner to return to it. Once your mark has entered the vehicle, you begin recording and say the words, will you be my neighbor in an insidious voice. At that point, you follow the person to their next destination until eventually they return home the objective of it all is to see if the person ends up living within a one mile radius of your own home. In TikTok fashion, though, the absurdity and theatrics typically get turned up a notch as people try to outdo one another from video to video. You even told me of one recently where the TikToker was wearing a pig mask like the guy in the Saw movies as he drove around town. So now, you spend an unhealthy amount of time on TikTok. Tell me what you were thinking when you found this trend. Is this something that you would actually attempt?
1: Uh, I already have. I I want, I like to spread joy and happiness in this world. And I want to get rid of all the negativity. So I want to cancel out all those insidious behaviors uh, in this trend And so when I do this, I approach the people. I am dressed as Fred Rogers. And I ask them, will you be my neighbor? And then I start singing a song or two. (laughs) You get your finger puppets out. I take off my jacket and I replace it with uh, a similar looking one. You change your shoes. Yep. (laughs)
0: Right in front of them. (laughs) Yep. You try to get this all done before they get in their car and speed away.
1: (laughs) Yes. Sure do What has been the best reaction you've gotten then? Uh, the best one was uh, The person I approached was also looking like Fred Rogers <laughs> I guess he was doing it too And I was like what? <laughs> uh, so I guess I wasn't the first to do it But mm-hmm. hey, the more the merrier I say
0: well, I, I suppose then what has been One of the worst ones that you've seen Since since you're, you're going a different approach Trying to spread Some fun and joy uh, yeah. I, I'm sure some of these take some real Insidious turns
1: yeah, it's usually when I get maced. You got maced? <laughs> you know, I you, you, I guess I don't really think about it until it's too late. It's like a man approaching a woman. It's not. It's not going to. Mm-hmm.
0: Taking off his jacket. Yeah. And his shoes.
1: Yeah. it's. I don't want to talk about it anymore. There's like the law involved and stuff. So Ooh. I can't really say too much about it. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so... I suppose last week we were
0: talking about the internet being run by an AI. And to me, this trend seems to play on another conspiracy theory. And I don't know what the actual name of it is, but it's sort of the idea of the Truman Show, that you, as an individual, are the main character of the world, and things revolve around you. So (laughs) with this, will you be my neighbor challenge, it seems to have this foundation in the idea that other people are just NPCs. Or drones that once they leave your site, they stop being characters in the show. So how do you think people sort of began to believe that idea? Just overall, not not related to what specifically you do.
1: Probably the internet. I think... (laughs) The AI internet. (laughs) Well, I think the whole um, being online all the time kind of desensitizes people from Mm -hmm. realizing that people are people they're real human beings and then they start thinking of them as just points to accumulate i guess yeah
0: they're not they're not just code written by somebody and programmed to their flesh and blood and they will mace you when you approach them and do unwanted things Mm -hmm. speaking of tiktok though if you were back in high school and with what's going on do you think you would be doing the current devious lick challenge of destroying school bathrooms
1: no my school bathrooms were disgusting
0: <laughs> you didn't even go into them
1: no to destroy them anyways <laughs> I, no, I would not <laughs> mm-hmm. i avoided those like the
0: plague they probably did carry the plague do you think that this would be something that would be happening in your uh, school if it was going on back then like do you think there'd be uh that would be a rampant thing of people Tearing down toilets, like trying to steal sinks from the
1: school and then recording it
0: all on TikTok.
1: Again, I didn't go in them, but I have heard stories and these things happened. They just didn't have the cameras to record it then.
0: They they weren't posting on social media. They just didn't. Yeah. Are there any other trends on the forefront of TikTok that you have seen that you want to prepare people for?
1: Yes. There's this trend of... Attempting to jump off a high ledge, but not actually doing it. So it's like, how close can you get to doing it without doing it?
0: <laughs> so like miming it, but like almost doing
1: it? Yes. yeah. But
0: the I suppose the threat is that you actually fall.
1: Yes. Yes. That's the challenge. Don't what's die. That, what's that one called? Don't die off a high building challenge. Hmm. Well,
0: hopefully it gets a little bit... Uh... Through the through the cycle and gets a new name because that's kind of yeah that was that's a mouthful.
1: (laughs) If you have TikTok, delete it. It's not good for you. I mean, you know,
0: you 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 are always on it, just watching the next video. So you just can't get away from it.
1: I'm part of it now. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
0: You've been melded into the code. (laughs) So the first article that we have coming from unexplainedmysteries.com and this was actually one that uh you brought to my attention angel not specifically on this website but i did find unexplained mysteries talking about it and i said we're using it (laughs) it is titled new 15 million dollar firm aims to de-extinct the mammoth a ufo hunter has teamed up with a harvard geneticist in a renewed effort to bring mammoths back to life the new firm which has been named Colossal, describes itself as a breakthrough bioscience and genetic engineering company, which aims to restore Earth to a healthier state while also solving for the future economies and biological necessities of the human condition through cutting edge science and technologies. Founded by entrepreneur and UFO hunter Ben Lamb, alongside de-extinction expert and geneticist George Church, the company will uh, sponsor research at Church's Harvard Medical School Lab with the goal of effectively bringing the extinct woolly mammoth back to life. According to Lamb, the project will continue efforts made by other researchers such as David Rice who previously sequenced the genomes of 23 Asian elephants and Colossal's own lead biological scientist Ironia Hayasali, who extracted and analyzed the DNA of a mammoth found in Siberia. They've pretty much managed to complete the assembly of the 60 plus genes that would essentially make an elephant genome functionally that of the woolly mammoth, he said. LAM expects that the company will produce its first elephant-mammoth hybrid calves within six years. The end goal will be to reintroduce entire herds of the animals into the wild. Given that nobody has ever managed to achieve anything remotely like this before, however, the scientists behind the endeavor will likely be in for a challenging time. So I must ask, Angel, is this a good idea? You are the Jurassic Park uh, like foremost authority in my life. <laughs>
1: Well, if if we take a page out of the Jurassic Park book, then no, it is not a good idea. It's actually my understanding that they're not actually trying to get back the the woolly mammoth as it originally existed. Mm -hmm. What they're trying to do is change elephant DNA and turn on the genes that make it more hairy. So that just, to me, first of all, means it's not really a true woolly mammoth and Mm -hmm. secondly it's going to be a mutant elephant Mm -hmm. and anything with the word mutant in front of it is bad yep it's plain (laughs) and simple and that changes from jurassic
0: park to jurassic world where you get now a camouflaged (laughs) woolly mammoth that is hell-bent on killing everybody (laughs) yep the the, one of the main things that jumps out at me about this is the price tag 15 million dollars now hammond says he spared no expense (laughs) It, it sounds to me like he spent more than fifteen million dollars on his uh, research. Do you think that's enough money to get this done?
1: Definitely like, not. Especially it seems so low. It's, yeah, especially in this day and age, mm-hmm. like fifteen million dollars to even make a movie is like considered a low budget indie film. Yeah. How How you expect to make <laughs> the mutant mammoth? <laughs> Maybe they'll they'll pull off a theranos, and by that mean fraud everybody. What's theranos? That was um a company that claimed to test your, I think it was for blood sugar or something with the blood. And it would claim to do it faster than how it was currently being done, but they were just lying.
0: And just like made up the results of the tests.
1: Yes. Yes. <laughs> and, and that went to uh, public and all hell broke loose for that company. Whoops. <laughs>
0: <laughs> like, Oh, how, how do you do that? You just, like, say, well, I guess this one's going to be positive for this test. This one, <laughs> mm, in, inconclusive. Just do, another, do another blood test for us. <laughs> yeah. Make three more orders of blood. My God, how do these things even happen? So I suppose if you want to support this, you know, contact Harvard, get some money, pumped into the mutant mammoth, and we'll make it happen. Six years. We can reduce that down to maybe two years if you throw, like, a billion dollars at it. (laughs) Come on, Elon Musk. I know. And, like, that's the thing about, like, super wealthy multi-billionaires. If I was that, I'd be spending money on making mutant mammoths. (laughs) Like, why not? Right? More money than you could ever imagine to do other things with. Why not make mutant mammoths? Why not? It's exactly. better than going to outer space. What well, do you just go do an outer space float and then come back down? Come on.
1: <laughs> yeah. We're not ready for space yet. Come on. If we can't develop mutant mammoths yet, we, we can't go to space. What are we going to do on Mars? <laughs> can't bring the mutant mammoths to Mars then because we can't won't Can't make have life there. <laughs> God
0: damn it. Now I'm all fired up. So let's move on <laughs> to news article number two, which will hopefully calm me down and this one from odditycentral.com. Political candidate forced to run against doppelgangers who also stole his name. What? An opposition party candidate running for a municipal position in St. Petersburg, Russia, is competing against at least two other people who not only legally changed their names to his, but also borrowed his physical appearance to confuse voters. Mm. Russian opposition politicians are used to running against candidates with the same surname. It is- a commonly used tactic that can derail a few precious votes in close elections. But Boris Vizhnevsky's case stands out. A senior member of the liberal Yabloko party running for public office in the district of St. Petersburg, Vizhnevsky already knew that two of his opponents had recently changed their names to Boris Vizhnevsky to confuse voters. What he didn't know was that they'd stolen his look as well. In a district voting poster showing the three candidates side by side, it's difficult to tell them apart because they all look nearly identical They're all the same like smile too it's insane (laughs) i've never seen anything like it this is all done to disorient voters so that they confuse the fake with the real and instead of the real vishnevsky they vote for one of the fakes the original vishnevsky said in an interview the sort of double candidate is often seen during russian's Uh, Russia's election cycles, which can get quite close, despite the general expectation that Vladimir Putin's party, United Russia, always dominates. It's a shady tactic that ensures votes are split between two namesake candidates, thus increasing another candidate's chance of winning. What is most shocking in this case of Boris Vishnevsky is that both his opponents changed their full names. One was previously named Viktor Byokov and the other Alexei Shmelev. To match his... And also altered their physical appearance to match his look. It's unclear whether they also turned to digital editing software. But but they are all balding, graying, and sporting matching goatees. The only way to tell the real Vizhnevsky apart from the doppelgangers is by his tie. Oh, so I even thought the wrong one was the <laughs> the right one. It fooled me. <laughs> the original Vizhnevsky labeled his opponent's tactics as political fraud, but according to Russian law, it's, political, uh, it's perfectly legal for political candidates to change their names to that of their opponents just months before an election, so there isn't much you can do about it. The liberal candidate said he didn't know his rival's motivations for posing as his doubles in the upcoming municipal elections, but added that he doesn't think they agreed to embarrass themselves like this for free. According to Russia media, the Russian Central Election Commission declared its, uh, itself outraged by Vizhnevsky's double candidates, but made it clear they would not be removed from the list. Oh, what is your opinion on this one, Angel? My
1: God. Uh, a lot of things are running through my head right now. The, the, the evil part of me says, why aren't we doing this here in the States? Uh,
0: How has no one ever tried this in, <laughs> that I know of? In America.
1: <laughs> right. Um, but more importantly, this is exactly the kind of thing that was going uh people were accusing the Russians of doing well not this exact thing, but the Russians were accused of meddling with the 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 United States' um uh voting. Mm-hmm. Um, four years ago, and then people were like, "Oh, why would you think that?" They're trying to pass it off, and then we hear about this, and it's like, "Well, that's why they have a track record of of meddling with their own uh, voting elections thing." Mm-hmm. They brought out the doppelgangers, <laughs> and then and then and then it's like it's like he says. They are not going to do this for free. So who's paying these guys to change Mm -hmm. their names to do this? What platform are they running on? Like how besides having the same name and similar looking pictures, how are they confusing the voters? Like, are they going out on TV or is it just them showing up on the list and people hoping they vote for the wrong one? Uh (laughs)
0: And they have to be on the ballot too. How do you differentiate? I guess by party alignment is the only way you know. So ultimately I guess Hopefully, if we want to vote for one specific uh, Boris, that's... you have the picture
1: yeah. right next to the name.
0: <laughs> I need to bring Boris's picture so I know which one I'm voting for, the one with the tie. <laughs> the other two don't know how to tie ties. That was their, their weakness. It's uh, like uh, those old uh, cartoons, like, uh, spot the differences between the <laughs> individuals. Yeah. <laughs>
1: And then, and then the whole, you know, the, they're, they're outraged by this behavior, but eh, we're not going to remove those candidates. Yeah, like, I mean, It's totally it, fine to do this, this but we're is, mad about yeah, it. <laughs> this is
0: out freaking rages, but it's okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's so much, so much going on.
0: I think the <clears throat> only way to settle it is put all the doppelgangers in one room. <laughs>
1: Duke it out. The
0: Vizhnevsky that comes out is the true Vizhnevsky. He's the one <laughs> that on. remains.
1: And the uh, proceeds, because they're going to charge for this, clearly, <laughs> can <laughs> go towards...
0: pay view come on, yeah.
1: <laughs> Whatever they want it to go towards. I don't know. Those Russians are weird, man. <laughs> yep.
0: Towards getting that Russian guy and that Chinese show off the <laughs> <laughs> voted off the show, he wants to come home.
1: They so, say he's still there to this day.
0: He <laughs> <laughs> was just so good looking. They wanted him on the show. <laughs> and he made it to the finals. With those news articles out of the way, let us now turn our attention to the entity of the week. Now, Angel, in the living day-to-day life, there are hundreds of things that can kill you. Car crashes, getting hit by a bus, a logging truck, chains breaking while it's on the highway, and the logs roll off, and an avalanche of death towards you, or even a goddamn feral pig. Growing up in the late 80s and 90s as a kid, television made it quite apparent that quicksand was going to be a huge issue in our futures. At some point in time, we would be stuck in quicksand, was my belief as a child. While the quicksand threat never materialized, apparently, there are other things in the jungle we should have been scared of. And of course, I am talking without a doubt of man-eating trees. Did you ever expect one day,
1: Angel, that a tree could eat you alive I have feared this day will come and it was it will come soon you've had the night terrors
0: I've (laughs) shared those night terrors (laughs) you wake up in a sweat and the tree branch is brushing up against your window and you're like it's happening it's happening (laughs) it is hard for me to fathom so I call upon you our jungle expert To explain the top three scenarios, one could find themselves in where a man-eating tree could be lurking in the shadows, its fiendish roots digging deeper into the earth, siphoning the life force of Mother Nature like a vampire upon its prey. And while your expertise, Angel, is in the urban jungle, as Tim Allen showed us in the cinematic masterpiece, (laughs) Jungle to Jungle, they really aren't that different. So what are these three scenarios where a tree could eat you?
1: Well, first scenario is quite minor, but it's quite important to be aware of your surroundings when you get locked inside the Museum of African Oddities After Hours. Watch out. Uh,
0: I want now Night at the Museum (laughs) 3, or maybe 4, I think there might have been a third one,
1: of uh, that version. Yes. (laughs) Um, Um, Second scenario when a mysterious merchant offers to sell you a plant like no other and and it requires human blood to sustain it. Probably (laughs) steer clear of that one. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah. And the final scenario is if you break into my fortress and you fail to... Oops, you almost got me to reveal one of my security measures. (laughs) You don't want to do
0: that. Got to get back in the bunker. It's the only way. (laughs) As I spoke about earlier, there are many different things that can kill a human being. So what do you think, Angel, is it that makes something like a man-eating tree scary for people?
1: Well, I, I imagine that, you know, you grow up and you see trees all the time. Mm-hmm. And you know that they don't move and do nothing. So suddenly somebody comes up to me and says, hey, did you know there's a matinee tree? You're like, wait, what? One of these things can kill me all of a sudden? I've never paid any mind to them. And now I have to be... On the lookout for something that looks just like a tree, but it can kill me. That is right there, strikes at the heart of the imagination. Like, I, I picture it
0: going down like an evil dead. A tree starts attacking people. <laughs> yeah. And that's not good. <laughs> <laughs> well, Angel, with that being said, grab your machete, get your Jumanji English big game hunter bad guy outfit on we are going deep into the bush to uncover what some in the 1800s considered the most deadly and insidious plants of all time the man-eating tree are you
1: ready like a dog wagging it's telling excitement <laughs> your dog now <laughs> don't pee on the tree dog <laughs>
0: it'll eat you just like the naturalists of the time period we observe the scientific method we make an observation, we research our topic, form a hypothesis, or as you always used to say, a hypothesis, <laughs> and we test it with an experiment, we analyze the data, and we report our conclusions. But what if I were to tell you, Angel, there is a better way than the scientific method?
1: If we can eschew all of that and just get right to the point, then yes, tell me more. What if I were to tell you that you have two options?
0: I have two pills. One is blue, and by taking it, you continue on with your content ignorance blindly following the scientific method. But the other pill, the red pill, it opens your eyes, your pupils expand. It enlightens you to a whole new way of thinking and looking at the world. A way, some say, to see in a metaphysical way how the universe ebbs and flows and impacts the trajectory of one thing, while simultaneously plotting the course in which that universal force goes, in a sense, how one thing can
1: both come and go. Which pill would you take? I mean, the blue pill sounds pretty enticing, but I'm also curious to see what's behind the red one. That was the wrong choice. (laughs) That's what I expected you to say.
0: So the correct answer is to use the literal... Cotton Eye Joe's razor, cut each pill in half and take one half of each pill. By combining each half, you will thusly be able to once and for all, without a doubt, figure out our favorite axiom for a man-eating tree to have come from somewhere. The man-eating tree must therefore go somewhere. So where did the man-eating tree come from? Surprisingly, there are stories of multiple man-eating trees, possibly the most well-known or at least well, documented as that of the Madagascar man eating tree. The earliest known Western publication of the Madagascar man eating tree comes from the 1880s in an edition of the New York World. Basically, the article is a reprint of a letter from eminent botanist Carl Lech to a colleague, Dr. Omelius Friedlowski. In this letter, Lech described how he, his travels through Madagascar found him amongst the mikotos peoples who he described as a tribe of inhospitable savages of whom little was known. You do get a sense that Lech saw himself as better than the Makoto's people, Angel. Just by that one uh, description of them.
1: Just just a teensy bit. Just a tad bit.
0: <laughs> as Lech and his party traveled along a stream in the forest, they encountered the most singular of trees. The description of what he saw is as follows. If you can imagine a pineapple eight feet high and thick in proportion resting upon its base and denuded of leaves, you will have a good idea of the trunk of the tree, which, however, was not the color of an anana, but a dark, dingy brown and apparently hard as iron. And as an aside, the word anana refers to the plant genus in which pineapple is a part of, showing that eminent botanist flair, right, Angel?
1: Yeah, and I'll show my flair by saying if you add a B, it becomes banana.
0: Mm-hmm. Is that related to the pineapple? Absolutely Probably not. not. <laughs> <laughs> the letter continues on. From the apex of this truncated cone, at least two feet in diameter, eight leaves hung sheer to the ground like doors swung back on their hinges. These leaves, which were joined to the top of the tree at regular intervals, were about 11 or 12 feet long and shaped very much like the leaves of the American aguave, or sentry plant. They were two feet through in their thickest part and three feet wide, tapering to a sharp point that looked like a cow's horn, very convex on the outer, but now under, surface, and on the inner, now upper surface, slightly concave. This concave face was thickly set with very strong thorny hooks, like those upon the head of a teasel. These leaves, hanging thus limp and lifeless, dead green in color, had an appearance the massive strength of oak fiber. As another aside, uh, Lech refers to the head of a teasel, which is a very thorny and spiny plant. And indeed, Francis Darwin, son of none other than Charles Darwin, believed the teasel to be a carnivorous plant. As our resident pineapple expert, Angel, what do you make of the description of this thing so far?
1: Well, it, it certainly sounds like it's a, a amalgamation of various plants that are similar to the pineapple, um, like the agave and and uh, the aloe plant. They all mm-hmm. have like yeah leaves thick there. leaves, yeah, yeah. Kind of, mm-hmm. and they all have, like have spines on them,
0: a little bit serrated. Yeah, I mean, you sent me pictures of you. Going to battle with a pineapple plant. (laughs) And I wouldn't be surprised if you came out with some cuts and bruises. Mm -hmm. I mean, you ate its fruit, so (laughs) you showed it who the boss was. (laughs) (laughs) The letter continues on. The apex of the cone was a round, white, concave figure like a smaller plate set within a larger one. This was not a flower, but a receptacle, and there exuded into a clear, treachly liquid honey-sweet and possessed of violent, intoxicating, and soporific properties. From underneath the rim, so to speak, of the undermost plate, a series of long, hairy green tendrils stretched out in every direction toward the horizon. These were seven or eight feet long and tapered from four inches to a half an inch in diameter, yet they stretched out stiffly as iron rods. Above these, from between the upper and upper cup, six white, almost transparent, pulpy, reared themselves towards the sky twirling and twisting with a marvelous incessant motion yet constantly reaching upwards thin as reeds and frail as quills apparently they were yet five or six feet tall and were so constantly and vigorously in motion with such a subtle sinuous silent throbbing against the air that they made me shudder in spite of myself with their suggestion of serpent flayed yet dancing on their tails Palpi, to my best understanding, are sensory appendages near the mouth of arthropods like insects or crustaceans. So, Angel, what the hell kind of Lovecraftian misery is Madagascar? Perhaps there's dinosaurs on there, too. (laughs) I think there's a portal to an alien planet. (laughs) This plant is insane. This is like a detailed description of, like, how do you
1: even... (laughs) write all this how do you measure all this (laughs) yeah it's so detailed like it can't be made up you know like how can Mm -hmm. you possibly make something up like that so the pineapple
0: trunk is eight feet tall or around 2.4 meters long it's hairy damn tendrils are another eight feet long so outstretched that's almost as big as a giraffe or in my favorite unit of measure it's about two feet taller than Shaquille O'Neal standing on top of another Shaquille (laughs) O'Neal Letch also claims it possesses violent, intoxicating, or soporific properties. What do you make of that, Angel?
1: Don't understand what that's for. If it's going to kill you, what, why do you need to get sleepy? Yeah, puts you in some lethargic state. Why? It seem, It's so massive. It, can, it seems like
0: these hairy tendrils can just grab you. And who the hell's going to get out of that thing? Yeah. But at, at the same time, like, so put yourself in the shoes of somebody in the forest. You're our jungle expert. You find this tree, you're thirsty. You haven't been able to find water for some reason in the jungle. And you find this huge eight-foot pineapple. You climb up top of it. There's this little cup of leaves. And there's this viscous fluid sitting in it. It smells like honey.
1: Do you drink that? What you're implying is that this is how the plant lures its victims. I drink the stuff. I get sleepy. I fall asleep under the tree, possibly, and that's when yeah. it strikes. That's what I'm thinking. That would mean that I would have to have it would have to be found in a location where there's no other uh, potable water, or possibly the the nectar is such a intoxicating thing that we have to seek it out. Mm-hmm. Like it would have to be so potent that yeah. like you smell it from half a mile
0: away, and like my God, I I. I have to drink this. Mm-hmm. I have to find this and, and put it down my gullet <laughs> right now. <laughs> like, oh, my God. So in the book, Madagascar, Land of the Man-Eating Tree by Chase Salmon Osborne in 1924, the author, who just happened to be a former governor of the great state of Michigan, references this letter by Lech, which was supposedly written in 1878. So, supposedly, Makotos are a very primitive race going entirely naked, having only faint vestiges of tribal relations and no religion beyond the awful reverence which they pay the sacred tree. They dwell entirely in caves hollowed out of the limestone rocks in their hills and are one of the smallest races, the men seldom exceeding 56 inches in height. So what do you make of this part of the letter that of the Makoto's people? They live in caves and are rarely taller than 56
1: inches. It, it goes back to what we said last time about like people thinking that Africa and Madagascar being part of Africa is stopped evolving. And, and they're still in a primitive state that these people are still living in caves. They don't have any clothes. They don't, they're completely naked. <laughs> like... Come on. It's my firm belief that these are actually the offspring of the tree.
0: Oh, they're like, spoilings?
1: Yes. They're set to guard and possibly tell people of this man-eating tree. Like, some sort of tree
0: homunculus that has been set up, (laughs) and they, like, lure people in to Father Tree. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's why they're so short, because... (laughs) The spores can't grow very well in a cave. I guess not enough, <laughs> not enough sunlight. I don't know. <laughs> the way it's written, it like makes their height as like makes them inferior because they're not tall.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Now what's that all about? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know it's, what to make a, of that. A, anything, any you know, anything to make them look lesser.
1: I suppose. Yes. Right. Yeah. Like, these people are short.
0: thusly I guess related to not being advanced I don't know (laughs) makes confusing me 1800s (laughs) were a weird time Osborne states that Letch dubbed the tree crinoida because when its leaves are in action it bears a striking resemblance to that well-known fossil the crinoid lily stone or Saint Cuthbert's head and I was very very confused by the Saint Cuthbert's head reference because other places did not refer to it as St. Cuthbert's head and found that fossilized portions of the crinoid stems can be known as St. Cuthbert's beads. So according to legend, it was said that St. Cuthbert used the beads as a rosary or that his spirit created them on stormy nights so they could be found on the beach the next morning. Others referred to them as fairy money or star stones. So can you think of anything cooler using fossils of sea animals as money angel it's a common thing
1: they've they've uh used shells shells yep Mm -hmm. in various continents um yeah they will find like
0: find like a shell from south africa in like northern europe
1: that's like traveled from hand to hand over several years yeah i think we should go back to doing that because it's just uh more uh environmentally friendly
0: and like screw this gold standard we need the fossil standard <laughs> yep <laughs> there's always so many fossils <laughs> do you imagine like keeping all your
1: fossils in one in one place and then the counterfeiters are like growing these things in, in aquariums
0: <laughs> 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 i got my fake fossils <laughs> here here's my fairy money my star stones <laughs> i mean gosh the eventual fantasy novel i'm writing is having fossil money <laughs> it's the only thing that's gonna happen it's the only Though I'm building now a story around fossil money <laughs> the Madagascar land of the man eating tree details what happens after Lech saw the tree as well so it goes on observations on this occasion were suddenly interrupted by the natives who had been shrieking around the tree with their shrill voices and chanting hymns to the great tree devil with still wilder shrieks and chance, they now surrounded one of the women and urged her with the points of their javelins until slowly and with despairing face she climbed up the stalk of the tree and stood on the summit of the cone, the pulpy swirling all about her. Sick, sick, cried the men. Stooping, she drank of the viscid fluid in the cup, rising instantly again with wild frenzy in her face and convulsive cords in her limbs. But she did not jump down. She didn't do the... Jump-off-the-ledge challenge, angel. <laughs> she seems as she seems to intended to do. Oh, no. The atrocious cannibal tree that had been so inert and dead came to sudden savage life. The slender, delicate palpi, with the fury of starved serpents, quivered a moment over her head. Then, as if an instinct with demonic intelligence fastened upon her in sudden coils round and round her neck and arms, then while her screams and yet more... Awful laughter rose wildly to be instantly strangled down again into a gurgling moan. The tendrils, one after another, like green serpents with brutal energy and infernal rapidity, rose, retracted themselves, and wrapped her about in fold after fold, ever tightening with cruel swiftness and the savage tenacity of Anaconda's fastening upon their prey. Angel, this woman was like crushed to death by the tendrils. (laughs) Uh, how
1: (laughs) she was like folded up (laughs) this changes everything about what we just discussed about how this thing is supposed to eat you
0: (laughs) oh my god in all this carnage there trickled down the stalk of the tree great streams of the viscid honey-like fluid mingled horribly with the blood and oozing viscera of the victim The letter then indicates the Makoto's people then bound forward around the tree with cups, leaves, hands, and tongues, each one obtaining enough of the liquor to send him mad and frantic. Then ensued a grotesque and indescribably hideous orgy. A lot just happened there, Angel. The tree ate a woman, and then the people had an orgy. What do you make of the events told in this letter?
1: I don't even know where to begin. First of all... Based on this, that cup full of uh, soporific liquid has no purpose whatsoever. It It didn't make her tired. It didn't make (laughs) her tired. She (laughs) she apparently continued in her frenzy, and then the plant just crushed her to death. Didn't wait for her to go to sleep anyway. I don't know what the whole point of that is, then. Like, why do you have these things, plant? What's the purpose? It's to Um, throw you off.
0: It's like, this liquid's probably going to make me sleepy, so I could probably stay here
1: for a while. And I then, take my time. And then it's like, so what is the makotos drive through? Are they cannibals? Then they're just eating the the, <laughs> the stuff of the the woman, the 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 the, 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 the whatever leaked out of her. <laughs> no, I,
0: don't, I guess, but they want the viscid honey-like fluid too. But now, I it's, suppose maybe it's because uh, it's eating the woman, so now they can get at it because it's not going to eat them. It's satiated.
1: And now they have an orgy because of it. Like, what?
0: Well, yeah.
1: <laughs> I, I don't... And where did this... Is it just a woman from the tribe? Is it like a, a foreigner? Like, where did this woman come from?
0: Yeah, it seemed like it was just one of the women, and they're like, okay, you're the one now. We didn't discuss this, but we need one.
1: <laughs> so they got sacrifice and cannibalism on mm-hmm. there, too.
0: Excellent. I mean, the the orgy part, the first thing that popped into my mind was the South Park episode... With the, like, people from the future that keep coming through through a portal to take their jobs. And, like, the town tries to retaliate by having a giant orgy outside of the (laughs) portal. To, like, (laughs) somehow protest their jobs being taken or something. And it's just this giant pile of people. Did it work? I I, I don't think so. I can't remember. (laughs) I hope it didn't, (laughs) because... That shouldn't be how you solve any of your problems. (laughs) Leitch then observed that for 10 days, the tree kept its leaves retracted in an upright position. One morning, he came and its tendrils were once again outstretched and his skull sat at the foot of the tree. So a digestive state of maybe around 10 days. What do you think about
1: that? Okay, so in 10 days, the body is digested.
0: And, like, the skull got spit out, and it was, like, completely just bone. Just all the, it was on it was just Just bone. the
1: skull. Mm-hmm. All the other bones were ingested.
0: <laughs> I guess. Doesn't like the
1: <laughs> skull. It's too hard to digest. So then my question here is, does that satisfy the tree, or does it need to feed again? Where does it do with all these nutrients? Because trees, plants, do not work as animals do, right? Their, their nutrients are stored on them and there's tend to be more long-term so what's going on here yeah it's like it's not it's not a huge tree
0: <laughs> i mean think of like a, a redwood if that thing ate people oh how many God. people a redwood have to eat to be satiated mm-hmm. this thing's 16 feet tall and, with, needs- <laughs> and eight of that
1: feet is tendrils and what's it doing with all those calories that the people are providing I mean, if the tree only moves when the person's in range, right? otherwise it just looks like a dead tree, It's apparently. Yeah. It was very, like, Venus flytrap. Okay, you're here. Snap. <laughs> but it doesn't even attract
0: people. and It requires a, a tribe yeah. to get people to get <laughs> The woman was forced into the tree. <laughs> I mean, that is, I guess, a symbiotic relationship at its best level. The, the, the people want the fluid, and... <laughs> The tree wants the
1: people. So how did that even start? <laughs> they said the fluid is good, but if you drink the fluid, the tree eats you. But if you drink the fluid and the tree eats you, and then we get to drink the fluid and the tree doesn't eat us. <laughs> so we need uh. a sacrifice every 10 days. <laughs> I don't. That should we, whittle we down the more... tribe really quick people (laughs) we need more tribesmen i'm starting to think this is like a midsummer situation where they're going out and getting foreigners come come back to learn our traditions Mm -hmm. we'll show you something cool it's a (laughs) tree. come back to our cave our limestone cave so when
0: they when they go out to try to recruit more people do they don clothing
1: no, they, they just stay, go out naked? They stay naked. They're like, we're poor, uncivilized <laughs> folk, please. <laughs> Come help us.
0: <laughs> My God. this is insanity now. So we have a very extensive description of the Madagascar man-eating tree. So in the past 150 years, where did it go? Where is this thing? In our journeys with this show, Angel, what have we learned
1: about newspapers from the 1800s? i've learned not to trust anything written prior to the 1900s and even still the early 1900s is also a bit iffy and then even so after that it's like okay (laughs) i'll get another source on
0: this
1: (laughs) yeah you know what the only thing i would trust is anything in this era where we have tons of people taking pictures and videos (laughs) and even then things are getting (laughs) deep And put on the the internet AI.
0: I mean, it's only showing you what you wants you oh, to see. Oh no,
1: the internet's not real.
0: <laughs> so, uh, I mean, maybe the 1800s are just better.
1: <laughs> maybe we just can't trust anything ever.
0: No. <laughs> the word that encapsulates a lot of this is yellow journalism, or stories with eye-popping headlines that have very little research or are just plain made up to increase sales. And at the time, the New York world was trying to outcompete other newspapers and ran this absolutely insane letter from Carl Lech. And the first thing that pops up to me in my mind now is, like, if you don't have an ad blocker and you go to a website, at the bottom of the page there's all these, like, links for in the news. And it's all these, like, absurd headlines <laughs> yeah. of, like, some woman in a bikini, like, <laughs> pouring out of the bikini saying, like, you will never believe what happened to this woman on the beach. <laughs> it's like all this uh, like clickbait yep. uh, is the new yellow journalism. In 1888, a man by the name of Frederick Maxwell Somers printed a magazine called Current Literature. And in the second issue, he had a segment on man-eating trees and stated that the New York World article came from a man named Edmund Spencer. So Somers wrote, It was written years ago by Mr. Edmund Spencer, for the NY world. When Mr. Spencer was connected with that paper, he wrote a number of stories, all being remarkable for their appearance of truth, their extraordinary imagination displayed, and for their somber tone. Mr. Spencer was a master of the horrible, some of the stories approaching closely to those of Poe in this regard. Uh, Croatoa, anyone? <laughs> like many clever men, his best work is hidden in the files of the daily press. This particular story of the uh, Cronoida dagiana, the, the devil tree of Madagascar, was copied far and wide and caused many a hunt for the wards of Dr. Friedlowski. It was written as a result of a talk with some friends during which Mr. Spencer maintained that all was necessary to produce a sensation of horror in the reader was to greatly exaggerate some well-known and perhaps beautiful thing. He then stated that he would show what could be done with a sensitive plant when this method of treatment was applied to it. The devil tree is, after all, only a monstrous variety of the Venus flytrap so common in North Carolina. Mr. Spencer died about two years ago in Baltimore, Maryland, Somers concludes. So, Angel, what do you make of that? It's a hoax. What? It's a hoax? (laughs) It's a hoax. Mr. Spencer was just doing a little bit horror wordplay here. He's just trying to get some thoughts out about some trees. What
1: if what if a tree killed a person? <laughs> his creative writing skill. Mm-hmm, yeah. But of course, of course, Mr. Spencer's dead, so we can't ask him about
0: mm-hmm. it. <laughs> when I read that part, I was like reminded of Jose in <laughs> in the Fresno Nightcrawlers. Yep. He's dead. We can't ask him any more questions <laughs> about These it. People keep dying. <laughs> Don't you die. Don't you die on me. So, Angel, you notice how Somers writes this in 1888. Mr. Governor Chase Osborne wrote his Madagascar Land of the Man-Eating Tree book in 1924. It seems people didn't care if it was made up. They loved the man-eating tree and wanted to know more about it. So why do you think people were so intrigued by this thing?
1: I don't like to speculate much. But this does remind me of
0: going to be controversial. <laughs>
1: no, <laughs> it, it reminds me of a behavior on Twitter where somebody says something blatantly wrong, but it, it, it hits viral virality status. And then some people are like telling them, hey, you're wrong about this. So he'll then maybe write a new tweet or a comment, whichever, right, saying correction. The thing I said before was wrong, but. The, the viral tweet is still the more popular one. Like, mm-hmm. nobody cares about the truth anymore. It's like, no, no, yeah. this thing has reached star status. Yeah. The damage think, is done. <laughs> yeah, I think this is the same situation where it's like, it doesn't matter if these people are saying it's a hoax anymore. It's 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 spread enough that people are just fascinated by the idea. It's like, nah, we're just going to run with it.
0: I believe it because I want to believe it. Yeah. It's sort of like, it aligns with my worldview. So, yeah. uh, man-eating tree. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to find it. (laughs) The book Reassembling the Strange Naturalist Missionaries and the Environment of the 19th Century Madagascar by Thomas Anderson states, The story of the man-eating tree was wildly circulated. When published, usually verbatim from the original, it at times came with a declaration of the scientific nature of the account or its publication elsewhere in scientific journals. After recounting the gruesome facts, another report declared that if the story of this wonderful tree is half true, we must be more than ever convinced how little we can yet read nature's infinite book of secrecy. The author goes on to say publication printed the story precisely because of the fascination with Madagascar and its potential to possess such strange life that could unlock further wonders of the natural world. This seemed like the perfect storm of people not knowing about Madagascar and their interest being piqued by something so unnatural as a man-eating tree in what they believe to be a barbaric and savage land. So mix in some unscrupulous newspapers and you get this explosive story that just took over in newspapers. The beginning of Osborne's Madagascar book could have the single greatest opener of All Time Angel. He wrote most of the time I shall be honest in this book. All of the time I shall try to be honest <laughs> because of this pledge I am going to tell you that the purpose of this title of this chapter which was the land of a man-eating tree is at once to enmesh your interest. Madagascar has been called the land of the man-eating tree since prehistoric times as our vain and chronology goes. I do not know whether this tigerish tree really exists or whether the blood-curdling stories about it are pure myth. It is enough for my purpose if this story focuses your interest upon one of the least known spots of the world. So Angel, he names his book after the tree and includes this chapter just to grab the reader's attention and then pretty much never mentions the man-eating tree in the damn book again after one chapter. Is this not one of the biggest literary bait-and-switches ever? <laughs>
1: It's the best clickbaity uh <laughs> title yet from nineteen twenty four um. ever. <laughs> I <clears throat> wish uh clickbait articles in this day and age always started with them saying this headline is just to grab your attention, folks. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, <don't> <laughs> I mean, it's
0: it's even happened to like freaking recipes. I mean, <laughs> how many recipes do you look for and it's twelve pages long and the <laughs> recipe's only like six ingredients, but you gotta read about Uh, This is the first time I ever had honey
1: And then I (laughs) dreamt about it
0: Before I get to the damn recipe
1: Those I hold uh, I cherish those kinds of recipes Hold them dear to my heart
0: You print out the whole article And then put it in your recipe book So in future times I I can relive it (laughs) Each time I bake it I have to read the story (laughs) It makes it better (laughs) You're probably the only person in the entire <laughs> world that does it. In reality, all of the original story was just made up. Carl Letch was not a real person. The doctor that the letter was written to was not real. The Mokotosh tribe are not real. What do you make of this entirely made up story?
1: I mean, this is... I expect this from the 1800s. I, <laughs> this is nothing new to me. Yeah, let's just make all kinds of stuff up. It doesn't matter. Nobody's going to verify any of this the 1800s chose the blue pill angel <laughs> they chose just innocent ignorance um the best way to do it the formula is to, is to make a outlandish statement and then claim it came from somewhere that's not the united states It came from the far deep uh, deep uh, outback in australia mm-hmm. where the aboriginals are <laughs> from some lost civilization
0: in <laughs> india <laughs> yep. Which then went to Central America
1: and became the Mayans. <laughs> God. Don't bring that one up. No. <laughs> oh. We spent some time on the tree in Madagascar, but we know that there's apparently a similar tree in Central America known as the Ya uh, which literally means now I see you in Spanish. It's actually- Does, it's, does the tree have eyes? <laughs> It does not, but it's mecha- mechanism of action is actually a little bit different from the Madagascar one. It's supposed to, a- apparently it kind of looks like a couch. <laughs> like it's in the middle of the desert and, and, and the leaves are like sprawled on the ground. And there's like in the centers, like this couch thing. So it's like, if you're tired, you're like, oh, a couch for me to lay upon. <laughs> and a- apparently as soon as you step within the circle of the leaves... It, it it opens it, they they all come up and crush you to death. So the the the, the dying is still the same way, which is you get crushed. <laughs>
0: it's like a a bed or a a couch that can like spring out to have a bed in it, and then you're laying in the bed and it snaps up together and <laughs> in some comedic you. fashion. <laughs> <Yep>.
1: <laughs> yes, exactly. And then there's a, a, another thing called the vampire vine, mm-hmm. which is also in. Central America, it seems. This this story is by uh, some Mister Dunstan, a naturalist, probably also made up, who, who was doing some naturalizing somewhere. And he hears uh, oh, in in the in Nicaragua, and he hears his dog cry out in agony. So he goes to run where the dog is, and he sees like he's the dog is like entangled in some vines or something, and the vines are like pulling him away, and then the natives show up and they're like oh that's the devil's, and telling, the devil's snare and they start telling mr. Dunstan all those stories about this vine that chews up people or, or whatever it does and it, it's supposed to have it's each uh uh what's it called I guess each vine has little tiny suctions that have like uh, like like an ex- octopus tentacles oh okay. <laughs> so little suckers yeah. So that's, that's going back to the, uh, the man eating, what's it called? That book, Madagascar, Madagascar, the man eat the land of the man eating tree. Osborne writes, he, 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 the first chapter, he's like, he, as you mentioned, he says, you know, the title of this chapter is this to catch your attention. Then he goes on to say, but you know, think about this. It, it could be possible that this thing exists because there are carnivorous plants that exist they eat bugs but i don't see why there couldn't be a tree that eats people <laughs> he also brings up a, an interesting point he says again it may be emphasized that while a man-eating tree is an unlikely thing it is not an impossibility the upas tree is said to exhale a deadly poison so i looked up this tree i'm like it, a tree that exhales exhales poison like that's I think that's enough man-eating enough to include it on here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I found out that this tree is a real tree. It does exist. And the uh, the the legend is that a radius of 10, 10 miles, there's 10 no miles. Li- oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> there are no living things surrounding this tree because its poison is so toxic. What? And I'm like, what? So I dug in a little further, and it turns out that these claims are entirely exaggerated. So this tree is really toxic. It has been used to uh, um, poison darts and arrows, but what the the poison is in the tree sap. So mm-hmm. it's it.
0: It's not it's not breathing out poison.
1: It just some sick sap. <laughs> This article I found says that this French botanist, Jean-Baptiste Lechanal, heard about this tree and he went to go look for it. And he, I'll just read this. He quite literally found himself in a thick forest face to face with an upas tree and lived to tell the tale. (laughs) Not convinced to merely gaze upon its poisonous splendor, he cut it down. He even accidentally smeared the latex oozing from the cut wood onto his hands without any ill effects. He was, he was absolutely certain, however, that if he had cuts on his hand, the sap surely would have ended his life. To prove the point, he injected a drop of the Oopus juice into a dog. Oh, because, what a bastard. Because <laughs> why not, right? And it died within five minutes. Whoa. <laughs> How much a, did he inject? Just a drop what <laughs> it took it took eight drops to kill a horse in the same amount of time <laughs> what yeah he's and killing then, dogs and horses with tree sap <laughs> and then The that article says why he felt the need to kill a dog and a horse is beyond me <laughs> it's like <laughs>
0: next on my list
1: an elephant
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so yeah that's that's that so i kind of went on a, a little rabbit hole finding out other poisonous trees there's a the most poison, I guess that was considered the most poisonous tree at the time, but now. Wait, where the hell is this thing? So I never go near its sap. Um, Indonesia.
0: Man, do you think there is in Indonesia a novel, like a crime novel, about <laughs> a guy that kills people with tree sap, and then it takes forever for the detectives
1: to figure it out? <laughs> well, maybe that's something that our curiosity should tell us. Is there a novel <laughs> such as that? And if there isn't, why don't you guys write one? Yeah. <laughs> It's a
0: writing prompt of the
1: week. <laughs> <laughs> so I started looking up other poisonous trees and we got a few right here in sunny South Florida. We got this thing called the poison wood and I've actually seen the poison wood. It's a pretty gnarly looking tree, not as deadly as the upas It, it's sap is supposed to be kind of similar to like poison Oak. So you just don't want to touch it. Mm-hmm. If you, if you see a poison, poison wood tree, You can tell it's poison wood because the bark is, like, turning black in spots. So it just doesn't look... It doesn't look like you want... Yeah, (laughs) it looks diseased. Like, you don't want to touch that. But apparently, Florida also has the most poisonous tree. So it uh, usurped the upas tree. It's called the manchineal tree, in which everything about the tree is toxic. Apparently, if you stand under the tree and it's raining, if that rain it passes onto the tree and then onto you, you will your your skin will burn. What? Yeah. <laughs> the I've never actually seen this tree, but apparently it, it those trees are so toxic that they're usually marked as in stay away from this tree. The leaves are toxic, the bark is toxic. It produces a fruit that Apparently, if you eat it's it delicious, <laughs> when you eat it, it doesn't kill you. And it's supposed to. But the wiki page is funny because it describes the, the 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 steps of what happens when you do eat the fruit. It's pleasantly sweet at first. And then, and then the feeling gets a little bit like a pepper flavor until it starts getting more intense until it feels like your mouth is burning. And then your throat closes up and then you can't swallow th- anymore because you're so you're in such agony <laughs> Holy shit. (laughs) But I guess that one doesn't kill you. It just gives you, like, some sort of gastroenteritis and maybe possible uh, infection from some bacteria because it's screwing up your insides. (laughs) It's just silly things. (laughs) What a horrible tree. Or (laughs) amazing tree. (laughs) I'd say it's amazing because it is also considered endangered. So we don't want to just start knocking these trees down. We want to grow more to take care of the feral. Hogs. <laughs> yeah, who knows? Maybe the feral Hogs will uh Oh know.
0: watch, it's not poisonous to them, it makes them stronger.
1: <laughs> Maybe. Um apparently there's an iguana that feeds off the fruit of the manchineal tree and has no problem yeah, with it at uh, all. There's
0: there's always something that adapts to it. It's gonna mm-hmm. be the, the Feral Hogs. <laughs> it makes them more virile. It makes them <laughs> it <just> produce more <laughs> offspring. Just
1: produce faster. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man!
0: Gestational period reduces by three more months. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and one last thing, Osborne, Chase Osborne says in in the book, it says something funny to me, something that I found funny. Um, when he's talking about reasoning why the tree could possibly exist, he points out that the missionaries say it doesn't exist, <laughs> but that not all of them agree with each other, and that it is. Properly, their affair and responsibility to discredit and destroy anything and everything that fosters demonism and idolatry. <laughs> yep. So, <laughs> it, it's a conspiracy. <laughs> it's a church conspiracy. It's keeping the tree hidden. <laughs> yeah, that's all I got to say on that. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. I, I think it's his book. It also mentions that, like, shortly after the missionaries got there, there were more churches built on Madagascar than there were in in paris i think it was there's an insane amount of churches built there to try to um you know uh destroy their culture and convert them yeah of course so let's just jump into the rubric of power and see how the man-eating trees rank so how about the powers so not i suppose specifically of the madagascar tree of just general man-eating trees
1: so i i was actually looking forward to this uh, before I started research, I said, you know, a man-eating tree, like, that's got to, first of all, it sounds aggressive, so it's going to have high score <laughs> right then. <laughs> but, as I mentioned before here, there's nothing in, in that's mentioned about the tree actually attracting people, enticing them in some way. I mean, I don't think a couch is very enticing. That just seems weird, a couch in the middle of the desert. I don't know. I'm not
0: sitting on it. I'm going to think I'm hallucinating and I'm going to fall, fall into
1: a um into quicksand. <laughs> yeah. And then a cup of some delicious nectar that, again, is not meant to attract or do anything to the person because it's going to eat you right then and there. It doesn't wait for you to mm-hmm. get drugged up or anything. I <laughs> know. And it, it doesn't make them lethargic because like the people that drink it then had an orgy. <laughs> just, it's like this this plan is like wasting a bunch of energy producing these things that aren't gonna matter I don't understand what's going on here uh, it's almost like it's almost like it's somebody didn't like pineapples and said we're gonna build a campaign against them by making this monstrous looking tree thing that's similar to a pineapple
0: he was against big pineapple and wanted them <laughs> to not be imported into America like these things are spiny looking they're hard to cut <laughs> uh, my hands get all sticky when
1: I cut them. <laughs> Screw pineapples. <laughs> that being said, the description of when the tree does kill a person, it tells me it's extremely strong because if these vines can just snatch you up and crush you to death, then you have no way of escaping. I mean, that's that's impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, again, though, I don't know what the point of having... Sp- binds on them is if you're just gonna get crushed to death like (laughs) (laughs) it's like being
0: i don't know like
1: overpowered i guess like you have
0: to uh lay on a bed of nails and then the bed of nails crushes you (laughs) like (laughs) the bed of nails at that point were just an inconvenience it was the crushing that really hurt
1: (laughs) yeah overall i gave it a power of two two adequate Mm
0: mm-hmm I was uh, similar in scoring of this one. I I was like, at first, this this is going to be crazy. I'm going to be giving a plant some strong powers. But then, yeah, at the (laughs) same time, um, it required a tribe full of people with javelins to make (laughs) the person get into the tree. (laughs) Like, the tree couldn't do it on its own. It needed the the aid of people to eat at least that specific. And it's the devil tree. And mm-hmm. it, it can't do it on its own. <laughs> um, the The vampire vines were the one story about it was going after a dog. I could not even get the guy. Yeah. <laughs> it's a dog eater. It wasn't the man eater. It was a dog eater.
1: <laughs> That's like the hoedag.
0: <laughs> yep, it's going after French bulldogs. <laughs> or English bulldogs, whichever one it ate. So, they were white, I think. Mm-hmm. It was, yeah, specifically only white ones, I think on Sunday, too. Like, (laughs) Oh, my God. So overall for this guy, it's... Or this tree. It's a tree, but it eats you. It also... I don't know. It it sort of implied to me that when you drank the secretions of the tree, that after the the sacrifice, that it almost entered the tribesmen into some sort of altered state. Yeah. And apparently it was like... a important enough figure that they formed a religion around it if i suppose even in this made-up world of (laughs) this existing um (laughs) so it was good enough for that but i i still settled on a one and a half for powers.
1: so how about detectability so this might be interesting this might be my first ever of this score i think i don't have um history so i don't know but all this research and It was mostly people talking about the tree from essentially it's that story of I I have a friend of a friend whose uncle saw this thing kind of deal. It's like Nicki Minaj and her (laughs) whatever, whatever's, whatever's enlarged testicles. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's like there's this tree that supposedly eats people and supposedly Carl... Letch saw it happen and he saw this orgy and the, and the killing of a person. What happened to the tree? Like, why is there nothing else? No other tales of this tree? You know, you would think there would be other people making up stories because they want to feel like they belong. Mm-hmm. But, it was like, I don't know. I think the tree... I have, a, I have a theory that these trees did exist, but the native people... Cut them all down. They said, we got to do away with these trees so that the white man no longer comes by. Uh-huh. That's why they don't have any more evidence of it. It's um, like the Dagonic. All these <laughs> mega game hunters
0: came and like, no, we don't want that.
1: <laughs> we don't <laughs> want your naturalist. Uh-huh. So I gave this a detectability of 3.75.
0: Oh, that's by far the highest score you've ever given. Mm hmm. The entire aura of the entity is that it's a tree. So you wouldn't necessarily suspect that it could freaking eat you. So <laughs> that, in general, it would be hard to f- find because you're just looking for trees. Mm-hmm. Like, that'd be a difficult thing, to <laughs> a tree that eats you. Okay. <laughs> um, and then if you found it and still ate you, good luck telling anybody about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and also all the people who traveled there to Madagascar to actually look for it. There are several people. Uh, Frank Vincent tried in the eighteen nineties. Of course, Chase Osborne went to Madagascar in nineteen ten or in nineteen tens, um, and asked about it in his voyage of Madagascar and trying to let yeah. Americans know about how great Madagascar is. Ralph Linton went in nineteen twenties, and among all the others, never. No one ever found it. The tribesmen supposedly knew about it, but one of the ideas that is that since it was a religious item that they reveled in, like they didn't want to share its location. So that makes it even harder to find. So I settled on a
1: 3.33. <laughs> is that three, three repeating? Just forever.
0: Yep. <laughs> How about lore?
1: The lore here... This one's interesting for me because I think the lore and the mystique... I'm also borrowing from the pop culture part, if that makes any mm-hmm. sense. Mm-hmm. Because I like the idea that we have um, a lot of different stories in pop culture that also involve trees and or plants that eat people. And <clears throat> I think that's adding to the lore of these man-eating uh, type plants things. So I give it a three. A lot was written
0: about specifically Madagascar tree and in very good detail. Uh, the Letch letter is, I think, very intriguing and well done for how, like, in detail it, it did go. And it, mm-hmm. fool, it fooled people for decades. Like I said, other trees, the the vampire vines and the, uh, the Yateveo uh, in South America. I think one thing that hurt it, though, for me in this score was that it was that one story of, of Spencer's just, like, repeatedly printed over and over and over and over again it never the story never really changed it was just this lech letter that was yep. printed over and over again but it, it spread very well so uh i ended up in a um a 2.85 <laughs> you
1: really uh, leaning uh in like i those was very points. like
0: like very detailed pointage <laughs> i took notes from lech <laughs> how about the cunning of a tree
1: oh man I wish I could give this a higher score, but I mean, there's nothing it's like we've said it before. There's the trees not even trying. It's It's got people doing its job for mm-hmm. it. And it's just um, existing <laughs> just there. And it's like if if there was no tribe worshiping it and bringing women for it to eat, would it still eat? Would it still survive? Like, how does it even grow? I don't get it. <laughs> I don't know um, <laughs> I give it a 1 For me it's
0: a little bit more aware Than a normal tree maybe Because it has it's mm-hmm. little palpies That it senses things mm-hmm. So I, I suppose it has that going for it uh, We could Really be living the, uh, be living M. Night's The Happening And the trees are just out to get us um, oh God, And they're just waiting to poison. kill us Uh huh. So I mean That could be a thing The trees know they just haven't acted yet Mm-hmm. And we're cutting them down. They're waiting. So I gave it a 1.75. And finally, the impact on pop culture.
1: I think this is uh, really where the the plant man-eating tree thing shines. Mm-hmm. I don't know if these things were influenced by it, but I think that, that concept is there. We have Little Shop of Horrors as an example. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I remember... I just thought about it now, but I'm pretty sure there's a a kid's book I remember reading. I don't think it was Goosebumps. I was going to say it was Goosebumps, but now that I think about it, I don't think it was Goosebumps. But it was essentially this kid who has this plant that eats socks. (laughs) Oh, okay. So it's not a man-eating tree because, you know, I guess kids' books need to be... uh, a little bit, but it's still a plant that's eating something that's not typically what a plant normally eats. You have movies, like this one that I remember called Blood Beach, where these people are getting killed, sucked through the sand in a beach, and then, it, spoiler alert, it turns out there's like this weird plant creature thing under the sand, sucking up people and eating them. I don't know if you'd include this, but I want to count... The body snatchers movie what what plants have to do with that? The one with um Donald Sutherland I think that's what it is I thought there were aliens yeah invasion of the body snatchers yeah they're aliens but they were like plant like they 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 they're like little uh, spores that landed on plant on on, oh. on earth and then they grew into plants and then the plants would then take on the shape of a person and then kill the person that it was imitating. My so God. they were like They're sentient alien plant things. Doppelgangers. <laughs> They're going to run for public office. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I found this part funny in the wiki entry. It says Poltergeist is a film in which a backyard tree comes alive, which grabs and devours a child. And I'm like, I guess that's true, but that's not what the movie's about. <laughs> it's about the tree, Angel. Come on. <laughs> I mean, I've seen this movie, which is rated PG, by the way. hmm and it shouldn't be but whatever <laughs> what's the guy's name that played coach just living his life uh, i know he's got three names that's all i remember i mean he just
0: wanted to live in this house and <laughs> shit went wild <laughs> <laughs> and i think uh, the, Craig like, T Nelson how, yeah the house like sinks into the ground or whatever like <laughs> what a what a horrible investment
1: <laughs> no it's it's about a tree come on man <laughs> it's about that's how you should buy houses <laughs> Because it could sink into the ground. <laughs> um, the Life of Pi features a carnivorous tree on a floating island. Um, Harry oh, Potter apparently has a Floating trees. island?
0: Yeah. yeah there's, seen... a, there's a tree outside of Hogwarts that uh, they get stuck in, in a flying car.
1: Oh. I mean, come on. <laughs> I don't know anything about Harry Potter. <laughs> Can't think of any video games that feature plant stuff, but I, I'm sure. I
0: saw one mention, it was some Final Fantasy game, that there's a a man-eating plant that was in one like the earlier levels
1: yeah i can think of final fantasy eight there's some weird plant creatures you can fight regular ones and i think there's a boss that is a plant too but yeah plant sentient carnivorous plants that eat more than just bugs are a thing like mm-hmm. they they're not going away so i gave this the only reason i'd give it the highest score i could possibly give it is because I feel like they're always in the background. It's not, never really something that's taken center stage, as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. Unless anybody wants to prove me wrong. But I gave this uh, a three. Surprisingly, I
0: was unable to find any like 100% like linked to Manning Tree beers. I just was not able to <laughs> concisely enter mm-hmm. the right keywords to find anything that returned like, anything. I'm sure there's some out there, but I had no luck. Did you ever see the movie The Ruins? I don't think so. It's they go to a uh, temple and they like get stuck on it and like the nature starts coming back in on the ruins and like taking it over. It had a very plant-eating aspect to it. It seemed like from what I remember. To me, like this man-eating plant seems like it would have been peak like nineteen thirties to fifties mm-hmm. Hollywood movie of like just some vines grabbing at yep blonde women and like tugging on their legs and stuff like that. Uh, the like most basic sci-fi movie you could have, but it would have some a very suggestive poster of mm-hmm. like the woman's blouse being ripped open by vines. like this was made for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and is that good? Probably not, but <laughs> that's Hollywood., uh, so I ended up landing for
1: impact on pop culture at a Oh. I was gonna say, would you say uh, the swamp thing is some sort of plant thing? He's like man
0: turned plant, but eats plants. Plants. And <laughs> what does swamp ma- swamp thing eat? Not people. <laughs> not people. At least, not <laughs> at that least not that we the swamp of. things I've read. <laughs> <laughs> then there's man thing. He's mm-hmm. like a plant guy, or is a plant man, <laughs> and uh, he doesn't eat people that I know of. That's like the Marvel version of Swamp Thing. So I landed on a 3.25 for impact on pop culture. Um, I think the biggest one, Little Shop of Horror, is just very much a iconic part of pop culture.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: What did your score add up to? 12.75. So a 12.75, I think this may be the closest score that we have ever had together Mine is a (laughs) 12.68. Wow. So that gives us a combined score for man-eating trees out of the rubric of power, a 12.715. Wow.
1: That is impressive.
0: Man-eating plants um, put us on the same (laughs) wavelength. We drink the nectar.
1: (laughs) Did we get killed or are we in the orgy? (laughs)
0: <laughs> There's an orgy coming. <laughs> no, we're not there yet. Could
1: the man-eating tree eat Skunk Ape? That is a good question. Does the no, man-eating No, we could tree... teleport. But will he know? Is he smart enough to even know that that's a man-eating tree? Uh, I don't know.
0: Would he? Would <laughs> Would he even smell the nectar based on his own smell? Would it overpower? <laughs> <It's> overpower. <laughs> My God. I am going to go on record that the man tree could not eat Skunk Ape. And now, what is yours? You have
1: to answer. I think he could. I think the man-eating tree You think tree he could, could eat Skunk Ape? Yes. I think it's very possible.
0: No. He'd, he would overpower the vines and break them. And I think <laughs> eat the vines, too. <laughs> And then he would be a little... It would be like Godzilla versus uh, King Kong. Like, yeah. they'd both come out of it pretty battered, bruised, <laughs> bloody. <laughs> they're still both alive. They're both, still both alive, yeah. <laughs> Into uh, this week's Battle Corner. <laughs> <laughs> First entry
1: completed. Get off that couch, Curiosities. You don't know what's in there. It's gonna eat you. <laughs> and get onto Twitter... Send us a tweet at @CrackingCurios. Curios. Make sure to use the hashtag Cracked Cryptids. Perhaps you have some questions for us. Or maybe suggest a celebrity we should uh, tell you guys to tweet at. <laughs> but for now, I'd like to mention that it's on, on September 15, a certain Dr. Carl Shooker tweeted about... He's written a lot of undiscovered species of human devouring plants down through the years. <laughs> so, he then links to his review of The Little Shop of Horrors. This is, by the way, tweeted, we had decided to do this episode prior to that. So, I don't know what wavelengths we're on, but Carl sugar he is, uh, you know, he's uh,
0: he's, on he's on it too. He got the relay. Yep.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, so... Man-eating Curiosity. plants
0: that brings people together.
1: <laughs> Curiosities, make sure to tweet at Carl Schuker and say, "What is uh, going on in your brain? You are a uh, psychic. He's
0: <laughs> <It's> a medium, <laughs>
1: and, and then <laughs> and then ask him about man-eating plants.
0: What's also- <laughs> going on in your brain?" <laughs>
1: You can also follow us on Instagram at Cryptids. You can send us an email at Encrypteds and Curios at gmail.com Follow us on any platform of your choice. Not only just follow us, subscribe to us, listen to our episodes, give us hearts in any platform that lets you give hearts or likes or whatever it's called there. Favorites. I want
0: hearts. Beating hearts. <laughs> beating
1: hearts. And make sure to tweet at us and Tell us you're listening. We want to know <laughs> want to hear from you guys. As always, make like a tree and leave. <laughs>
2: This has been, and I am actually traveling back into time production.
1: Did we get killed, or are we in the orgy? <laughs>